When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Who needs an alarm clock when you've got the farm, babe? Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. Why do I feel like this is a typical Halloween in Wisconsin? It's a Tuesday. Good morning, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. It looks like we've got a chance of snow in the forecast. Again, later today, mostly into the evening hours, carrying us into the 1st of November. Today, we'll have sunshine, but it's still going to be cold. Daytime highs today, probably not much better than the upper 30s. Then partly cloudy skies start developing tonight, and we'll start to see scattered snow showers and flurries develop toward morning. Uh, Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 1 to 2 inches of snow possible, especially on grassy areas and probably more north of Madison. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist will bring us all the details to get us in the right mental mind frame for Halloween and the 1st of November. This is a busy week for FFA members from across the United States, including our own from Wisconsin. The 96th National FFA Convention will officially begin tomorrow in Indianapolis, but some of our Wisconsinites are already there. We've got an update from Jill Welke. And we're talking with our man John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Stick around. Full Tuesday for you. Protovate Nutritional Seed Enhancer is an 80-20 talc graphite replacement that provides the critical nutrients corn and soybeans need for early and uniform emergence. Learn more at getgreatergrowth.com. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck, thanks to Wisconsin Farm Bureau, the state's largest general agriculture organization for over 100 years. Join now at WFBF.com and Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. For 35 years, 7th and 8th grade students have been allowed to join FFA. Now, 5th and 6th grade students are able to participate. This is providing agriculture teachers the opportunity to decide how to involve those students in both agriculture classes and FFA. Coming to you from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Nate Zimdar speaking with Emma Huber, the middle school agri-science teacher in Portage, and she is currently teaching 6th grade students. Huber shares how she presents agriculture to these new students and what FFA opportunities are available to them. Emma, how is the curriculum different for middle school members versus high school members? Are there more course options than an introduction to agriculture? At Bartles Middle School in Portage, where I teach, I teach 6th grade agri-science, 7th grade agri-science, and 8th grade agri-science. And each of those classes are essentially an exploratory, which is really beneficial for middle school students because they get to explore each of the different pathways of agriculture. So my sixth grade classes, they get to look at plants, animals, natural resources, and foods. My seventh grade students get to look more into animals, so they do both large and small animals units, plant science, natural resources, and then an ag technology unit. And then my eighth grade students, they have me for a longer period of time, and they get to focus on our aquaponics system, 
some history of agriculture. They grow gardens in our classroom, and then they also get to do like a food processing and animal science unit. So instead of being specific classes, like an entire semester on plant science, they get to see everything within each of their classes, and then they just build upon each other. So by the time they go to the high school, they have a better idea about the classes that they want to focus in on. Are these year-long courses, or is it just a semester course? So my 6th and 7th grade classes are only 9 weeks, so a quarter in length. And then my 8th grade class is a semester, 18 weeks. So the idea is that those 6th grade members, if they take this introduction course, then the logical next step, if they're still interested in agriculture, would be to go take the courses you offer 7th grade and then on to 8th grade, right? That's kind of the idea? Yeah, correct. At my school, 6th and 7th grade agriculture are part of rotation, so every student takes my class. So I see every single 6th and 7th grader. And then the 8th graders, they get to choose their electives because they take up more of their time in their schedule. And I have about half of the 8th graders at our school. And this is the first year that 6th graders are allowed to be both taking agriculture courses and be FFA members. How has that been like for you, introducing those 6th graders to agriculture and FFA? So we've actually had agriculture in sixth grade and portage here for the last few years. And a lot of schools have been doing that. They just haven't been able to have them as official FFA members. So my students are so excited. And the students that are in seventh grade this year that weren't allowed to be official members last year, they're very jealous of them. We just went to fall leadership workshops. We took 40-ish students, and probably a quarter of them were sixth graders that were just excited to be able to go. It fills my cup because I don't have to tell them you're not allowed to do this. Because in previous years, we would allow sixth grade members to be local members and just do things within our community, like volunteering and like chapter events. But now, hopefully, I'll be able to say, yeah, and you can go to this leadership conference. I'll be able to have students that will be on CDE teams or doing quiz bowl contests this spring. So I'm excited to not have to tell them no, and they're responding to it immediately. Middle schoolers are so excited about things, and theoretically they have a lot less on their plates than high schoolers. So getting them excited about FFA and ag science when they're in younger grades hopefully holds true through the high school. And can you walk me through how you go about introducing the FFA portion of things to those middle school members who are new to agricultural education courses? In my school, at our first day of school, we have just the sixth graders. And I had a couple of my active middle school members from last year come and give a little speech about what FFA is. And they explained that it's a youth leadership organization for students who like agriculture. And they shared a couple of the events that we did. And then students that either showed interest from that or show interest from when we talk about FFA in class. They can sign up to join, and since I see every single sixth grader, theoretically, every single sixth grader could be an FSA member. Same is true with seventh. We're lucky that we're able to have our monthly meetings during the school day, during our homeroom, so that it doesn't have any barriers there with students being able to be active in our club. Once we talk about like what FFA is and the amount of students that are interested in plants, animals, etc., they find their niche. They find comfort in being able to be a part of a club that is with students who have similar interests with them. And I had someone tell me this. They didn't know if they were going to be able to be very active in FFA now that they're in eighth grade because they're a three-sport athlete. And I shared some of the high school officers' schedules with them about how they work part-time jobs and they're athletes and they're still really active. And I think it's just neat that we can see students that have all sorts of different interests, but they share the common interest of enjoying agriculture, all find their place within FFA. Is there a lot of separation between those middle school FFA members and high school FFA members? How often are you guys doing activities together? 
I think some schools might have a separation. In my experience, I've tried to bring them together. So in Portage, we have lots of events where we have everyone together. For example, we had a back-to-school picnic where everyone was there with their families. We had fall leadership workshops, and we took basically 50-50 of middle school and high schoolers with us. And then we had our homecoming parade, and the same is true again. We had about 50-50 with the middle schooler and high schoolers that helped put together and walked with our float. We're doing most of the things together, which is cool. We do have some things, so we're going to carve pumpkins coming up, and that's going to be just a middle school event. But I would say for the most part, especially things that are happening right within our community, we're doing them 100% blended. What kind of events or activities won't they be able to take advantage of until they're in high school? A lot of the time it's going to be just things when we have like a cap limit on them. And so we're giving those experiences just to the high schoolers with the middle schoolers to look forward to it. National convention, that'll be just for high schoolers in our chapter. The caveat to that is if we ever had a middle schooler participate in agri-science fair and qualify, they would be able to go to national convention. There's leadership conferences at the beginning of November called Mission and Impact, and that's just for high schoolers. So mission is for ninth and 10th graders, and impact is for 11th and 12th graders. But then the same is true opposite. So like failure conference, and that's just for sixth through ninth graders. So all of those upperclassmen at the high school, they won't be able to attend. Can you tell me about the number of active sixth graders that you have right now? We have about 120 kids in a graduating class, and I would bet already I have at least 50 sixth grade FFA members signed up for this year, and we're only a month into school. Fifth grade members are also now allowed to participate in agriculture classes and FFA. Do you have any plans on offering any agricultural education classes to fifth grade members in the future, or at least allowing them to be part of FFA? So in order to be an SSA member, a national SSA member, you have to have an agriculture class. And in Portage, it's not going to happen anytime soon just because we have a in-town elementary, but then we also have two rural elementaries. And it would be pretty impossible with my current schedule for me to be able to add traveling to those schools in order to offer agri-science for them. Something that some schools are looking into is they're having essentially like an agri-science class that's just offered like one day a month or one day a week, whatever works for their teacher's schedule. And essentially that would happen during like homeroom time at the elementary school. So they would go out sometimes with their FFA officers and they would do a lesson for the fifth grade students or even other elementary students. And then those students who would be in fifth grade, that would count as their agri-science class. And then they would be able to be enrolled in FFA as well. I think maybe that will happen for us in a few years or a year or so down the road. But right now, it doesn't fit into our schedule. I'm wondering if you have noticed just from this recent push to invite younger and younger students to be involved with FFA, are you seeing some of the students, some of the members that you have perhaps shift away from those traditional agriculture organizations such as 4-H? Are they moving away from that into FFA now that the option's open to them at a younger age? In my experience, it just kind of depends on the family. So a lot of times if the student is the youngest in their family and all of their older siblings are already in FFA, they might choose to no longer be in another club like 4-H. But I would say for the most part, that's not the case. And it's just family by family. So I have a lot of kids who will come to me around like getting ready for the fair. And they'll be like, just so you know, Mrs. Huber, I'm going to be showing with my 4-H club. And I'm like, perfect. I'll be there anyways, you know. So it doesn't necessarily matter which club they're a part of or in regards to the fair, which club they're showing within. We're just happy that they're excited about agriculture. 
Is there anything else that you would like to share with me about the work you're doing with middle school FFA members? thing I'd like to add is that it's just really exciting and we don't necessarily know all of the things that the fifth and sixth grade students are going to be able to be a part of yet like if they're going to be allowed to do a science or quiz bowl or how all of that is going to be reworked but it's just exciting that they're able to be a part of it especially coming from a chapter that I see sixth graders every single day they're so excited to be a part of it and I'm excited to help them explore it at an even younger age than was offered before. Allowing more students into FFA is an exciting step forward for the organization. Time will tell how this will grow membership and deepen youth involvement within agriculture. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Nate Zimdars. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. With tens of thousands of satisfied patients across America, it's no surprise QC Kinetics gets five-star reviews. I'm feeling on top of the world because of QC Kinetics. I'm able to do the things that I wasn't able to do for a long time. I can recommend them highly. I would recommend QC to anybody. QC Kinetics has changed my life. I couldn't believe it. I honestly was skeptical, but the pain went from a 10 to a zero. Real people with real lasting relief from joint pain. QC Kinetics Regenerative Medicine is regenerating me. This non-surgical approach is definitely the future. I tell as many people as possible. I am an ambassador. I love QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in advanced regenerative medicine. No drugs, no surgery. Call QC Kinetics now for your free consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Dan, your workout uh, in the next 24 hours or so might involve a shovel. Kind of depends on where you are in the state of Wisconsin. Time to get our weather update. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us this morning. And it kind of seems like typical for Wisconsin, a hit or miss situation. Uh, people showing pictures in central Wisconsin where there's snow on the ground. But western Wisconsin is really the one that got hit, huh? Well, from what I'm seeing, Oliva in Eau Claire County had two-tenths or two-one-hundredths of an inch of rain, but they called it 2.1 inches of snow. Okay. So, so it's, it's probably on the ground then, hey? Yeah, I would imagine it's sticking around yet, but not going to be for long. Think about it. Those soil temps still way too far warm to hold any snow on them. Mm -hmm. So 
where it's spaced up, where it's up on corn stubble or on, on that soybean mat you got out there now after you took the beans off. Yeah, the snow will stick around a little while, but it's not going to be a long-term thing. Yes, we have to be advising you that if you're in an area where it's snowy, it could very well be slippery on roadways, on corners that are kind of hidden in a in a woods or a you know, sharp curve on the old road. It could very well be slick, so please be cautious if you're driving out and seeing that snow this morning. The radar indicating the activity uh, just moving on through Beaver Dam down into the Madison area now. Some flakes are falling there. There's more snow just uh, right about Mauston, if you will east of La Crosse, development back toward Rochester and in southeast Minnesota as well. Low pressures swinging in. It's moving into northwest Wisconsin where the snow was heavier, where they had more accumulation right along that uh, Minnesota-Wisconsin border from the Twin Cities and a bit further east. But there will indeed still be some snow showers around today. And I don't expect for many of us we see any more than an inch. That could be about the most. But the snow comes with stronger winds as well. Southwest breezes, good 10 to 20 this morning. They become northwest as that cool front passes through. The cool front just west of La Crosse this morning. So La Crosse will be first to see the winds become northwest today. Northwest winds even gusting near 30 miles per hour developing during the day, keeping that chilliness around, keeping that cold air delivering right into the area. That could be enough to feed just a little new snow development a bit later in the day, but I expect we all start to dry it out. And the better news is by Wednesday and Thursday, some sunshine returns. Temperatures begin to moderate. Thursday and Friday back well up into the upper 40s. There could be a 50 here or there on Friday. That sounds great. But to wrap up the week, a small chance of a little scattered shower activity may return. We'll watch that as it progresses. I'll have forecast details right after this. Ever wonder what deja vu sounds like? Yeah. Something like that, because that's the sound of Dairyland Seed delivering the greatest soybeans in our history again. This year's lineup, led by Dairyland Seed and List E3 Soybeans, brings even better agronomic characteristics, even tougher weed control, and even higher yield potential. And once again, they're proven to outperform the competition in independent head-to-head -head trials. See the latest soybean performance results at showmethesoybeanyield.com. That's showmethesoybeanyield.com. <laughs> There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. And to Cleary Building Corp. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. All righty, Stu, let's talk a little bit more about what we've got coming today. A lot of folks, you know, moms and dads had the little goblins and ghoulies getting ready to go tonight. Sounds like a winter coat might be in order. Yeah, that that uh, pretty little princess dress or tutu going to be covered with a parka, no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, sorry to say it, I mean, temps are going to drop down through the 20s here this evening, so it's going to be on the chilly side. Today, still that uh, trick from Mother Nature, cloudy, breezy, and snow showers around. Southern Wisconsin, you may even hear a rumble of thunder, but I wouldn't expect much more than that. But that snow will be tapering off from west to east by late afternoon and evening. And the winds, starting out, like I say, southwest, become northwest with the passage of that cool front. And they'll gust near 30 temps in the upper 30s today, 38, 39 at best. Any snow ending in far eastern Wisconsin, skies clear a little bit overnight. 
and we fall down toward 20, maybe some upper teens by daybreak, especially in the west. The northwest winds 5 to 15, gusting to 25. Call it partly sunny for Wednesday. Pretty good day in the upper 30s, pushing 40 with the southwest wind 5 to 15. Mostly sunny Thursday, mid 40s. Now we're starting to talk. West winds about 5 to 10. Upper 40s maybe pushing toward 50 on Friday. Bam, but like I say, there may be a little scattered light rain to edge in here to wrap up the week. We'll watch for that. All right, we'll see what happens in the next 24 hours' time. Thanks, Stu. Appreciate it. Stu Mock, our ag meteorologist with that early winter kind of look out there. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, X-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership 
and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Legacy Exteriors Just pick up the phone And let us leave a legacy on your home Roofing windows, gutters, siding and decks Can Legacy do it? You bet Better prices, better warranties Legacy always makes it easy Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com Legacy Exteriors Just pick up the phone And let us leave a legacy on your home the Badgers looked decent well, against Ohio State. Like this, that was the most complete game the Badgers had played all season. I know it's a loss, but that was the most complete game they had played all season, uh, despite all the injuries. And um, there was a there was a point in time there where you thought maybe just maybe they could have shot the Ohio State, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. did his thing, and then it was you know over from there. Uh, was, um, he's pretty good. But, boys, that game, RJ, you were in the stadium. Rowdy was in the Sea of Humanity down at the red zone. I had to go home, so I watched it from my couch. So we all had a little different viewing of it. What was the stadium like? No fan base left that game happy. No, well, yeah, I mean, you're there watching and hoping Ohio State, like. Like, Ohio State didn't leave happy either. Right. They were, well, fans too. They were around us being like, it's going to be a bloodbath. And, like, like, even, like. Like in the third quarter when it was tied, like they weren't talking, they weren't cheering their own plays, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, they get those fourteen points, start chatting it up again, and had some guy in my crowd go, "Sit down, shut the f up, oh, and get that f out of here." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, but that guy did it as he was leaving after the they went up 14. <laughs> well, so I was like, um, that doesn't really, all right. Everyone at the red zone was like, McCord's going to lose this for us. McCord will be the reason why that we don't want. And he had a fumble, what, two picks. So he was, yeah. he was trying his hardest. He's trying. Well, it was definitely a different atmosphere at the red zone. Like, we talked about how busy it was, and it was like the most people you've seen out all year. Yeah. The beer garden outside at the red zone was packed. It was arguably even more packed inside the red zone, especially because it, was, yeah, because it was getting colder out. But I would say 
there was a large contingency of fans inside the red zone that, yeah, they were sitting there talking and in groups, but they were actually watching the game. Because, like, you know how when it's, like, the Georgia Southerns of the world or the... You just drink. It's socializing, talking. You have maybe one eye on the TV, and then when someone starts cheering, you look up and you hear stuff, so you're not Mm -hmm. actively watching it closely. There were a lot of people that were actually sitting there making sure they were in their spot in front of the TVs when, you know, it's packed and were actually watching the game. That was probably one of the more closely watched games that I have had while being at the red zone because it was that big of a game. It was a night game and, and most people there were doing it now. Were there still people socializing? Of course, but there was way more people intently watching than socializing at the red zone. And it was that packed. Yep. Nice. How was it at your house? Uh, (laughs) <laughs> a little more subdued than you guys is both. I ended up probably drinking just as much as I would have if I was downtown in the red zone. Uh, but, yeah, it was there. Uh, Jen, my wife, actually was, like, somewhat invested in the game. I was oh, watching nice. it. And uh, it, it was a little quieter. Okay. It was easy um, to get to the bathroom. Oh, nice. The drinks were very cheap. And uh, it wasn't cold. Okay. So it was nice. But at the end of the day, I think we all left the... Uh, I didn't leave my house, but I left the the living room feeling, I think, the same way you may have left the game or Rowdy may have left the red zone. It was like, that wasn't a, the loss wasn't bad. Like, right. it was, it was, I don't want to say moral victory. It was, it, you left as a measuring stick. We talked about this on Saturday and Friday. As a measuring stick, you're like, maybe we're not that far off from what Luke Fickle's trying I to do. I was disappointed here. in the defense. Or, sorry, I was disappointed in the offense. I thought the defense came out, and I mean, we, went, we mentioned on Friday, we mentioned on the you know zone blitz pregame bash that Wisconsin had to capitalize on the energy, the fact that it was Halloween, the fact that it was a night game, the fact that uh, they were coming off of a big-time win while Ohio State also coming off of a big-time win, but it felt like more of a letdown spot for Ohio State. It was more mm-hmm. of a momentum spot for Wisconsin. Wisconsin had to come out and really take control early, and if this was going to be a good game, they'd have to come out with that energy and play well. The defense did. Yeah, The defense came out right away. What, they get that stop? They get the turnover? Mm-hmm. Like, the defense was playing well. The offense was just horrible. Now, I get it. <laughs> we talked about how... Ohio State's this is one of their better defenses mm-hmm. in a while. So it, I mean I get it, but it was like Braylon Allen laying the football on the floor multiple times. Yeah. Luckily they got it back uh Once. one time. Yeah. But it was like that was a backbreaker or I understand that Vacos hit or you know was <laughs> kicking a 54-yard field goal. But man, he dinked that or dicked that one. He like you needed it. You ne- like you know what I mean? Like the offense needed to do more to keep that energy up where it felt like kind of in the middle second half. Mm-hmm. On the job till the cows come home. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Oh, I'm sure your little ghosts and goblins are still going to be going out tonight, but boy, you might want to make sure they're bundled up. Today is going to be pretty to look at, but cool to the touch. Sunshine on the way, but no better than about 36 for our daytime highs today. Then tonight, everything starts to change. Uh, The clouds start to roll in. Temperatures are going to drop just a little bit. And lumpy precipitation starts coming in. Yep, that's right. More snow expected to be rolling in tonight. One to two inches are actually possible, probably on grassy areas, by tomorrow morning. Now, the good news is we warm up later this week. Tomorrow's daytime highs 40, 
Thursday, we're at 47. Friday, we're back up to 51 degrees. So hopefully any of the visual and mental challenges that that lumpy snow brings tonight into tomorrow morning will dissipate by the end of the week. Really glad you're along with us this morning. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, is also going to be along with us a little bit later this morning. So today is the 31st day of October. What can I tell you? Well, on this day back in 1926, Harry Houdini passed away. Many consider Harry Houdini a Wisconsin native. He passed on Halloween back in 1926. On this day in 1968, the Milwaukee Bucks won their first game. They were at uh, the Milwaukee Arena. They won over the Detroit Pistons, 134 to 118. The Bucks had been 0 and 5 up until that game. Wayne Embry led Milwaukee with 30 points. In fact, he became the first player in Bucks history to score 30 or more points in a regular season game. Happened on this day back in 1968. On this day, 2011, they call it Day of 7 Billion. On this day back in 2011, they estimate the world's official population reached 7 billion. The United Nations Population Fund designated it as the Day of 7 Billion. But that was back on this day, 2011. Let's see. Happy birthday to rapper Vanilla Ice. He's 56 years young today. And now you know. Hundreds of our Wisconsin FFA members and their advisors and chaperones are on their way to Indianapolis, Indiana, where tomorrow the 96th National FFA Convention and Expo will unfold. Evolve is the theme for this year's convention, and our own Wisconsin State FFA Executive Director Cheryl Zimmerman is there. Uh, There is some business that needs to be taken care of by FFA members and chapters from across the United States focused on the future of the FFA. Now, Zimmerman's not only our Wisconsin FFA executive director, she's also the executive secretary for the National FFA Organization, and they're talking dues for 2023. Well, the national organization is looking at different ways that we can actually get more students involved in FFA. Uh, We are looking at efforts in which every student that enrolls in agricultural education has the opportunity to be an FFA member. Um, Currently in some of our chapters that students have to pay dues to be involved in the organization. Uh, But what we're looking as an entire national organization is setting up a system of membership uh, where if you're an agricultural education student, you wouldn't have to pay extra fees to be part of FFA. We're currently actually working with some of our chapters already in that type of a setup uh, where, again, we pay uh, like a chapter fee. Uh, based on the number of students that are enrolled in their ag courses. So we're looking at this nationwide now as membership continues to grow. We are almost close to a million members nationwide. Uh, We have some states that have gone to this new model of membership 100%. Um, And so what we're looking at is we're looking at, you know, how could we help all states to get to that point? And, And really the whole point of this is to get to the philosophy of where ag education started. And ag education is a three-circle model. We have our classroom where students begin their journey in all of this. We have the FFA, which is the leadership component 
Um, and then we also have our supervised agricultural experiences, whereas our hands-on learning and those internships and those opportunities to gain hands-on learning um, in the agricultural industry. And so that's our real three-circle model. And so we're looking at ways that we can eliminate barriers for students so that they can be a part of all of those circles um, and be a part of ag education. Like the affiliations that we talk about in Wisconsin, does that bring around some of the possibilities for tapping some talents that students have that the instructor doesn't always see? You know, what, what I've heard from those chapters that have gone to the affiliated membership structure and then eliminating that, well, you have to pay dues to be a part of the organization, is that students maybe that were kind of on the edge that were like, well, do I get involved or don't? Now you basically come to my class as an ag education student and you have the opportunity to be an FFA member. And actually, we have some of our state officers that even said if their chapters wouldn't have had this type of membership structure, they don't know that necessarily they would have discovered as much as what FFA offered them. And look where they're at now. They're at leadership roles on the state level. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just taking a look at how can we help more students, you know, be a part of FFA without having to pay that extra fee and then open up the opportunities. And, and we're not expecting that every student is going to do everything in the organization, but that's what's unique about FFA is there's something for everyone. And it, you know, it might be applying for awards. It might be leadership roles. It might be doing local service projects in the community. Um, there's just so many things for our students today to be able to get involved in. And we're just trying to figure out ways to eliminate barriers and allow more students to, to belong to our organization. Thanks, Jill. That's Jill Welke along with Cheryl Zimmerman, our Wisconsin State FFA Executive Director, who also is the Executive Secretary for the National FFA Organization. Like I said, convention officially starts tomorrow. We'll wrap up on Saturday, November 4th, with the naming of the National FFA Officer Team. Remember, Wisconsin's Ashley Schlimgen from Marshall, Wisconsin, is one of 35 that's interviewing to be a part of that National FFA Officer Team. We'll definitely keep you posted on her progress. Well, markets this morning in Chicago are not progressing much. I'll tell you, if you thought the forecast was chilly, take a look at these numbers. In overnight electronic trade, December corn is basically unchanged at 478. November beans down six right now at 1277. July wheats down a nickel, 622. Dairy was kind of crazy yesterday. Barrel cheese dropped three and a quarter cents to 165. 40 pound block cheese, that was down a penny and a half, 171 and a half. But double A butter on Monday, gained 10 and three quarter cents to 3.30 a pound. Fluid milk contracts for November are down nine at 17.20. December class three milk up four, currently 17.22 a hundredweight. All right, now that we've got that all out of the way, let's get ready for John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. He's joining us in just a moment. Also want to remind you, last call for your county fair stories, or actually any fair stories, I should say, we're partnering with the Wisconsin Fair Association to, again, collect your stories. Maybe it's from this year. Maybe it's from years gone by of your stories at fairs. Maybe it was a county fair, a district fair, a state fair, whatever it was. Please share it with us. Go to thefarmwi.com and submit your fair story. Please try to do it before the close of business tomorrow. TheFarmWI.com, TheFarmWI.com, uh, right there on the homepage. Go all the way towards the bottom, and you'll see everybody has a fair story. That's where you can enter to win. 
the winner winners of uh, their farm stories will be recognized during the Wisconsin Fair Association State Convention coming up January in Wisconsin Dells. TheFarmWI.com. All right, John Heinberg stepping to the microphone next. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Just want to remind you folks that uh, the talk text line is always open. We always talk about it for rainfall reports, but obviously with this situation that's developing across Wisconsin, a lot of folks are uh, seeing a little of the white stuff this morning. Let's talk about uh, this weather, its influence on the rest of the harvest, and what's going on around the world. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, is joining us live this morning. But you say no snowflakes on the Heinberg yard just yet. Not yet, but I'm looking at the radar, and it's not far away. So uh, <laughs> yeah. move the snowblower into the garage this weekend. <laughs> yeah, when it's 50 <clears throat> degrees, by the way. But, yeah, proactive is for sure. <laughs> so this this weather, whether it's snow or rain, is not ideal for a lot of Wisconsin farmers. We still have a lot of corn. 77% of our beans are off in the state, but we still have a lot of corn that needs to dry down and get into a bin of one sort or another. And this morning, the, the prices are about as lackluster as our weather is. Yeah, the markets have really gotten quiet. There's this lack of news right now, and 
<clears throat> excuse me, and for producers, uh, you know, just hitting that window. I talked to a couple guys yesterday. They just basically said this stuff's not drying down, but I got to go. And they're pushing it through and going to have to deal with the drying side of it and the storage side of it. But we haven't seen anything happen now, at least news-wise, for about four or five days. And we got about a five, six, seven cent trading range. And we have just been sitting here, you know, at the bottom of this last little sell-off point, which makes me nervous because if we don't start seeing some news, eventually the market gets even more bored and then we can break down. I mean, I've made talk to a few clients right now with the harvest pressure, things of that nature going on. It, it feels like we got a better chance of going to 460 than we do 490 here on December corn over the next couple of weeks if we don't see something kind of come together. Nationally, we're at 71% harvested, so we're about 5% ahead of the pace. You know, But this last 10% or so, given the weather and across the entire, especially the northern corn belt, could make things a little bit difficult to get complete. Yeah, you're not kidding there. Uh, reports over the weekend of places like uh, North Dakota, a little bit farther west, that literally were picking up almost six inches or more snow. So you're right. Let's talk a little bit, though. It's not, like you said, it's not just about the harvest pressure in the marketplace. It's also about the global supplies. Give them a little update there, John. You know, we got to look at two different crops in that situation. And the one that's probably the biggest factor, the biggest headline and story is what's going on in the soybean market. And, you know, we've had a nice rally, at least off the lows, kind of seemed to stall out this week. As like I said, the news has gotten quiet here. But last uh, last week, ADM CEO came out and basically said that Argentina was going to be out of crush beans or, or the ability to crush beans here this month. And we've seen the soybean meal market just really take off, which obviously is probably not good for our livestock producers in terms of input costs, but that's really kind of fueled the soybean rally. Now, we've seen the, the front-end soybean meal contract run to new contract highs. Did peel back a lot of value yesterday, but again, that's a market that can lead the soybean market higher. Thing is, I think it's a shorter-term rally for the U.S. beans, which are tight according to the supply balance sheet at 220 million bushels, because global supplies are at a six-year high because of that big South American or that big Brazil crop. Uh, so it's again, it's a bit of a balancing sheet, balancing act between those two. The other thing we're really watching: South American weather right now is starting to become a bit of a talk. We'll have to see something materializes i think the market's concerned uh, at the point where they don't want to put a little premium in here because the last couple times they put weather premium in they got kind of burned real quickly as things kind of fell apart but we're looking at dryness in the northern tier heavy wetness in uh, in southern brazil argentina weather has not quite straightened out yet even though the forecasts are saying it should as we get close to the corn bean planting window so if we see some production losses down there the globe could get concerned about that soybean product again and and that could give us some volatility. So it's another one of those reasons if producers are making sales here, keep some type of ownership into the market because soybeans are a volatile market. And the next thing you know, we're trading two, three dollars higher if we see some substantial losses in Brazil. And remind us again, John, once our harvest window closes, when is the sweet spot for U.S. commodities to find interaction and buying on the world scene before South America takes over again? For soybeans, it's right now. We are in that window. We've seen export inspections pushing the 200 million ton mark, which is you know 70 million bushels a week the last couple of weeks. There's again another reason we're seeing a little bit of push in price right now. We're getting some some business, not enough again not to probably really move the export balance sheet the way we wanted to, but at least we're getting some bid here. We and when we get to about the first of January, that's when that soybean business falls apart, and we start seeing it shift over to some of those early harvested beans. 
beans that come out of South America, but then the corn market's supposed to kick in again in that, that January, February, March windows, that window we start seeing those numbers pick up. So right now for, for corn, we need to see sales get on the book. So we had a good week of sales last week. So we need to see that continue to build up that harvest, that sales book that we need to get shipping. For soybeans, it needs to be a very hand-to-mouth type situation. In other words, the sales come in, beans go out. We haven't talked about ethanol for a while, John. Obviously, that is something that can help the corn market come along. You know, everybody starts now, especially with the snowflakes falling around, concentrating on energy prices. What are you seeing in that complex, including ethanol? You know, ethanol right now has been very, very supportive of the corn market. There's good margins there for the ethanol producers. Therefore, they're paying up and trying to get some supplies locked in, you know, from talking to the producers I have out there that they continue to see the vases be more friendly from the ethanol plants as they're trying to secure supplies. So that's still an area of the market that's helping out here at this time frame. You know, we've seen gasoline demand to really kind of fluctuate. One week it's strong, next week it's off, which is kind of interesting to see. But again, at least right now with crude oil still holding above the $80 area. We had a really rough day yesterday in crude. I think that was something weighing on the markets as well. Uh, but the ethanol margins are still there at this time frame, and we're still seeing decent demand from those producers. And that, again, something that's been putting a little bit of a floor underneath this core market here and maybe keeping us supported. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend is along with us. I always want to remind you about their website, totalfarmmarketing.com. The toll-free number if you want to talk to them, 800-334-9779. 800-334-9779. John, let's talk about the cattle complex. We have been following this from time to time because uh, these prices are still very, very robust. But it looks like there might be a little bit of a, a hitch in the giddy-up, huh? Well, obviously, you know, we talked last week, we had a big washout in the cattle market a week ago on Monday after that cattle on feed report, just technical selling. And, you know, there was probably some fluff in the futures market compared to the cash market that needed to come out. Plus throw in the fact that, too, we were seeing some weakness in the equity markets also. And that just does correlate over. There is that correlation between stocks and, and cattle. And uh, so now yesterday, big day in the, cattle, in the equity markets, 500 points higher, uh, at least as we got close to the close. But the biggest thing for cattle, we're still seeing good strength in the cash market, good strength in retail demand. We expect that in this window. We're in the beef holiday trade time frame here now as we start to look at beef rib for Christmas and Thanksgiving and, and those types of things. And that's something that supports this market. Cash you know, choice carcasses yesterday finished at 309, trending higher. The choice select spreads back to pushing that $30 level between the two, which tells us there's some front demand there. And we saw the cash market, even though it came down a little but it's still trading above 180 and we've been above 180 for cash cattle basically going all the way back to june so that just tells us that the cash market still got some support in it supplies are still tight and packers are still looking for product out there especially trying to secure things for the holiday season even after they decided to bring cattle in from mexico huh you know, again, the business is still opportunity, and that was an opportunity with cheaper prices and then be able to haul those cattle in. The overall picture is still tight in terms of cattle, and that's why I said well, this might be a bit of a rough window here just because of the way the futures market wants to handle things. But it still looks like the longer-term view in the cattle market is going to stay well-supported as long as that demand and that retail demand is staying high. I mean, choice carcasses at 309 you know, that's about $30, $40 above where we were last year and about $50 above the five-year average. John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Our guest this morning, you can see totalfarmmarketing.com, all the resources there. Call them, 800-334-9779.